She believed in the Alliance. She was on our side. I told you before, Julian, she's a patriot. Which means if it serves the interest of the Romulans to negotiate a separate peace with the Dominion, Kretak would push that option. And how long have you worked for Section 31? I don't. Oh, just a temporary alliance, is it? You don't see anything wrong with what happened, do you? I don't like it. But I've spent the last year and a half of my life ordering young men and young women to die. I like that even less. That's a glib answer. In a cheap way to avoid the fact that you've trampled on the very thing that those young men and women are out there dying to protect. Does that not mean anything to you? Enter Arma. Einem sealant legus. In time of war, the law falls silent. So is that what we have become? A 24th century Rome, driven by nothing other than the certainty that Caesar can do no wrong! Hello, everyone, and welcome to Discussing Trek, a Star Trek podcast, an unofficial podcast about the CBS All Access series, Star Trek Discovery, and now Star Trek Picard. Today, we're going to talk about Deep Space Nine, Inter Arma Enum Silent Legos, which is the 16th episode of the seventh season of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Of course, guys, like always, I'm your host, Clarence. And I'm joined by my fellow co-host slash Trekkies, starting with none other than the Who story himself, Cal Jones. How you doing, man? Hey, I'm doing pretty good. I am excited to be back. We've had a couple of weeks off, and I am like excited about this because I enjoyed this episode. So glad to be here. Awesome, awesome, awesome! On the podcast, per usual, we have Jeremy Barrow, the Stargate story. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. I'm also glad to be here. Glad we glad our vacation's over, so to speak. <laughs> oh yeah, we're back at it, man. And also we have the Trek historian, Jonathan Shorts. How you doing, man? Man, I am doing great. I am glad to be here. I am not glad the vacation was over because I was actually on vacation and I would have liked <laughs> to stayed. But if I have to come off a of vacation, what better way to do it than talking about the best season of any Star Trek? <laughs> wait, wait. Season seven of Deep Space Nine is the best season ever? That's what you're saying? I I, I must say I think it is. <laughs> okay. Well, well, I may ask you for a reason for that a little bit later. But, guys, what we do here on this podcast is review each and every episode of Star Trek Discovery and Star Trek Picard in somewhat excessive detail in addition to talking all things Trek. I don't have any news per se, but I saw that someone in this group posted the um the emblem, the star the Starfleet emblem being on Mars. Is that am I right on that? Or was it was it some yes. other planet? That was Mars. It was actually <laughs> a what was originally a some sort of sand dune that uh had been eroded by the wind and that post erosion was left with a figure that closely resembled a Star Trek emblem. Yeah. Now, <laughs> if you go back uh, here recently, there was a short Twitter war between William Shatner and some other guy. I don't know. I have to look it up. Anyway, this other guy says, hmm, looks sort of like a boomerang. Wow. Really? William Shatner took offense to that, but I'm going to find that real quick. It's it's clearly, I mean, you know, of course, uh, just happenstance, but it does look like a Starfleet emblem. I, I will insignia. It definitely does. So I don't, I don't know why. Why is this guy fighting William Shatner? Okay, Mark Hamill. 
<laughs> really? That's Luke Skywalker. You Was it really right. Mark Hamill? Yeah. I think they were joking around. It yeah, had, had to be. Had to be because no, this, this was. Well, I mean, they were joking. I, I, obviously, they were joking, but it was still fun. So, Mark Hamill says one tweet. He says, "Actually, it looks more like a crescent world, which are yummy with jelly." Wow. wow. And William Shatner said, "Don't be jelly, Mark." Oh, okay, <laughs> okay. They're being playful with it. They're being playful. Yeah, they, it wasn't a serious thing. And then somewhere in here, he says something about Star Wars, but. Yeah, man, Luke Skywalker himself. I love it. I'm just glad William Shatner. William Shatner stood up for us. <laughs> Thank you. Now, didn't he have, like have some podcaster fired for wishing he was dead? What? Not have not I, heard I, of this. I just saw the. I didn't read the. I didn't read the story. I just saw the headline. But apparently, William Shatner. Some some Star Trek podcast host out there had said something about how she wished that William Shatner was dead, and of course he heard about it. And somehow cost her her job on that podcast. Wow! No, I hadn't heard that. That's pretty. So we need we need to watch our mouths on this podcast because we may we may not be able to do it anymore if, if Shatner hears about it. So I don't know if it was like an official. How can you Star fire Trek, someone I, from their podcast? I don't know if it was like an official Star Trek podcast of some sort or hmm. or what the what the deal is. Yeah, I mean, there are several podcasts that are owned by big media companies. It's not so much an independent independent thing anymore <laughs> i mean i have companies that, i mean uh actually it, it, npr is like a huge podcasting platform uh gimlet media it's a, a myriad of them that are professional podcasts you know <laughs> that do it and make money off of it so yeah you know i, I don't think anyone should be fired unless well she did threaten them yeah she needs to be fired no i, I agree <laughs> <All right. laughs> I agree. Don't threaten anybody's life. We're just on here having fun, you know. Yeah, I mean, you're you're crossing the line. You can say you don't like something and you don't like someone's worth. I mean, work. But when you're saying, "I wish this person were dead," that's a line you shouldn't cross. Yeah, although Kyle said something similar when he was talking about um, Jesse Eisenberg in uh, Batman v Superman. So hey, there you I, go. I, I was talking <laughs> about his work. Now you're his worthless work. You're out of here. You're out of here. But he is a worthful person, just not a good Lex Luthor. But he could probably play someone in Star Trek. You know, maybe a Ferengi. But hey, I don't. Oh know. wow, jeez. <laughs> Low blow, dude. I was Low being kind. Blow. I was trying anyway, to get him work. Anyway, guys, we're going to take a really quick break, and we'll see you on the other side. Hey, guys. It's Sergio from Reality Breached. We've got a bunch of different podcasts over on our network at realitybreached.com, and one of my favorites is Shellheads, a TMNT podcast. Shellheads is a deep dive into the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in ways you've never heard before. From the early comic days to the current Nick show, nothing is off limits. Jeff, from the Warp Zone Arcade, joins me to binge-watch and power-read through a comprehensive library of TMNT fandom. Check Shellheads out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. For more details, visit realitybreached.com. Yeah, so let's get right into our review of Star Trek Deep Space Nine into Arma Inum Silent Ligus, which I'm probably saying incorrect. Uh, again, season seven, episode 16, which originally aired on March 1st, 1999. 
Uh, Dr. Brashear is visited by Sloan, the director of Section 31, a secret and unsanctioned extremist entity within Starfleet intelligence. Spoilers. Red alert. All hands stand the battle station. What gives you the right? You cannot destroy an idea. At ease before you spray something. So let's go around the horn and get the high level view of this episode. Uh, and we'll start with um, we'll start with Jeremy. What do you what do you think, man? What's your high level view? Um, I really enjoyed this episode. I like the the intrigue and and underhandedness and clandestine operations and such like that. So this was this was interesting to me. I really enjoyed it. Awesome sauce, dude. So Jonathan, what do you think, dude? Um. So as I mentioned earlier. Uh, this is one of the one of my favorite seasons of all Star Trek. So naturally, this episode will stand out for me. Uh, like Jeremy just mentioned, it's a lot of intrigue, a lot of mystery there. Kind of gets you thinking a lot, uh, guessing, wondering. Uh, and you know, DS Nine, you kind it's one of those. If you've watched it all the way through, in my opinion, you kind of don't really like the Doctor going in. And he grows on you over time. So by this part of the season, like he's one of my favorite characters. And we kind of just get a lot of Doctor in this episode. So it's, overall, it was a great episode, man. Awesome. What about you, Cal? Right, so I'm going to agree with uh, what Jeremy and Jonathan said just now, but in different ways or, or in different parts. When I first started watching the episode, I thought that it was starting a little bit slow and I was actually thinking, oh, I don't know if I'm going to enjoy this or not. But having said that, when you started getting into the intrigue and the guessing and the twist that you get at the end, I ended up really enjoying this. And I agree that I remember watching and Bashir was not a very likable character at the beginning. But having said that, by the end, he was one of my favorites. So, and this reminded me of that. So good episode. Awesome. Yeah. As for me, I, I like the idea of this episode sort of being about what do you do when, um, not necessarily your back against the wall, but what, what do you do when you have to take drastic measures, um, for, in this case, something that we think might happen, um, later down the line and, you know, inter- interfering with governments, political intrigue, whatever. <laughs> I don't know. I, I like the idea of, of, you know, having to take these drastic measures to, you know, again, hopefully have a better outcome in the end and what lines you cross in that effort. You know, I guess that's always the thing with Section 31. What lines are they willing to cross in, which we know. It's probably not much that they won't do, but but we have this added tension that Bashir and as we will find out in the episode, another uh, Starfleet officer is dragged into the fray and 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 asked to make some pretty questionable decisions. So let's get right into it. Um, I guess we start off here with Commander Kira having a debriefing with the staff. Um, War for Brian. Uh, Senator Kratek, as well as who else was there? Odo, of course. Um, what do we think about this, this, this initial conversation? And I guess it doesn't have too much bearing on the rest of the episode, but I do find it 
funny uh, how um, Worf was taking a jab at the Romulans and also the uh, Senator Kratek was taking a jab at the Klingons. What did you guys think of this initial scene here? Um, and let's start with Jonathan. Um, I kind of it's it's kind of like my my initial thought, my overall thought of it is kind of, and I guess because of seeing the whole season, it's like this is par for the course. Like they're just kind of tired of dealing with this, and you know, because Kira kind of has it like, yeah, let's talk about this. We got to talk about this. It's the same crap every day. <laughs> uh, same thing. Cisco, you know, it's what episode he says he's tired of going looking at these reports and blah. so that that's kind of the overall feel of the meeting uh but the little jabs that the that Sintech and Worf kind of threw at each other kind of gave it a little comic relief so that was enjoyable but I, I don't think you really get much from it other than to set the tone for the episode yeah to kind of introduce maybe if like us we haven't you know been watching them sequentially we kind of know what's going on. We're in the middle of this war. We have these, you know, we've, we've brought the Romulans in to be a part of this war against the Dominion. And that's pr- pretty much all you need to set up the rest of the episode. Cause honestly, I don't remember any of the episodes before this specifically. <laughs> I mean, I remember parts, but you know, if you're coming in fresh, you can kind of get that introduction and maybe be right into it to see what happens next. What about, right. what about you, Cal? Did you think that was a good introduction to maybe prep you for the rest of the episode? Oh, yeah. I, and I actually liked the banter because I saw it more so as two representatives of people who would normally be enemies in certain cases. And in this case, the the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's the way I saw them. But they still managed to politely be nice, nasty to each other. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, I thought it was a good setup and it was actually kind of entertaining. Yeah. And then I'll throw this to Jeremy. Uh, Of course, we immediately get that tension of, you know, having the Romulans in the mist. And we move on to the scene of Bashir and and, and, uh, Garrick actually walking about the promenade. Do you think everyone should? Well, what do you think of Garrick's cynicism here and his idea of he was right, actually, about it? But. His, his idea of uh, Bashir going in here and spying uh, on the on the Romulans, which we find he's going to this yet another conference, you know, uh, and and he's he has his idea that maybe it's a good opportunity to get some information. Uh, yeah, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, he's right. Well, as, as usual, Garrick is right in his own little elusive way. And he probably knew what information they were looking for before they even got there. But, um, I mean, yeah, Garrick's right. I mean, this is like, if you're going to get information, now's the time to do it while you're all gathered in one place. But does it not stand? It stands out to me, and it, it was never, ever mentioned or touched on. But I swear to you, Garrick is involved in Section 31. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you think that? Curious. I I mean, just that specific conversation, you know, it, like, he pretty much says what's going to happen in this episode and why. Number one. Number two, if you look at previous episodes, he's always been that guy that knew this bit of information that no one really should have known. Like, he's always been that, like, I don't know, it's hard to explain. Like, when Starfleet needed that back channel connection, (laughs) it was Garrick. 
Yeah. And not necessarily because he was Cardassian spy, but like he just had that connection. Like he knew things that only Section Thirty One would know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm. But I'm sure there's there's and I'm, I may not be phrasing this properly, but between the Obsidian Order, which is what Garrick mm-hmm. was part of, correct, correct. and Section Thirty One. I'm sure there's some overlay of personnel, like you know, you oh, tell yeah. me this and I'll tell you that. I'm sure, but and, because and I'm he's... sure because of Garrick, if nothing else, because of Garrick's odd charm and how he can get people to talk to him, I'm sure he, you know, has he's kind of like Raymond Reddington almost in that he oh, just <laughs> just kind of knows everything and people just kind of tell him things in exchange for you know goods and services or what have you. But wouldn't he not but he's, be the, the, he's perfect... the go-to? I'm sure between both of them, between the Obsidian Order and Section 31, to get whatever information they're looking for. That's what I said. I think he'll be like the perfect double agent. Like, why else would he opt to stay on DS9? I think he's an open double agent. <laughs> Are you like, like, no. I'm just open. Yeah, I'm going to turn my back on both of you, but you're both going to need me, so I'm just going to be right here making right. dresses yeah, until, you, I, until you come to me. Yeah, I don't see him per se as a double agent. I see him as an information broker, or the ah. you know, you, yeah, you know, yeah. as far as because you know he is someone with a past with you know, w- you know, like I said, with a past, but he's put himself in a position. That you are on a space, sh- you know, not on a spaceship, <laughs> but you're on a, um, a, what is it called? A space station. Yeah. And by the simple fact alone, you've got people coming in, coming out, and it's by a wormhole. What better way yeah. to collect information and to disseminate it to whoever you're disseminating? Yeah. I mean, and also, I think this whole scene is just another clear sign that, um, as smart and genetically enhanced as Bashir is, most of the time he's kind of just clueless. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, yeah. He's kind of as smart as he is stupid sometimes. <laughs> and, and it's funny to, to say because he's like bushy-tailed, brown-eyed, you know, ready to take on the world. But, you know, he doesn't see things that seem kind of obvious from time to time. And he's like, oh, I'm going to talk about Dominion biogenic weapons and Ketosil White and... And he's just crunk about that and <laughs> in his own but sure way, which is, is which funny. His goodness and his like good guy personalities just kind of limits what he could do. You know what I mean? Like if he had a sinister side, I don't think anyone could touch him. Yeah. His but, moral compass keeps him from achieving yeah. so much more. Just like we were worried about Saru. Like when Saru lost his fear, like we figured he was going to go like, just Superman, hey. demonic, <laughs> right. kill everything. Because you know, I mean, without that that control, and you have the potential, but like Bashir's controlled it through being a through his morality. Yeah. Wow. But see, he, I would I would go so far as to argue that of all the cast in the DS Nine ensemble cast, his character is the only one that would have worked in the confines of the story. None of the rest of them, if you were to put Kira in his spot, Odo, even Dax, if you were to put the, you know, the, the newer Dax in this spot, none of those characters because of character traits would have worked, but his did. Yeah. And, and, and not to give, give away the episode, but by the end, we see where Sloan is telling him, you know, they right. exist for people like him that aren't willing to make those hard choices, which, which section 31 does make. And speaking of Sloan, the next scene we get is Bashir 
uh, waking up once again. Seems like he's always in his in his bed or going to conferences when he's dealing with Section 31. But <laughs> he wakes up and Sloan is there to tell him about this mission that he has no choice. He's he's now a part of Section 31. He <laughs> it, he it, he passed the test. What? <laughs> the test he did not want to take. Yes. <laughs> For the group he did not want to join. <laughs> yes. Now, I guess there's not much to say about that scene other than uh as it leads into the next scene where you see him talking to Cisco about being a I'm not going to say double agent, but maybe a counter agent. Uh what do you think about and I'll give this to Cal first. What do you think about uh Cisco's new mission on top of the section 31 mission to Bashir to kind of just go along with it. And let's see, you know, if, if Sloan actually slips up and maybe we can get something on him to maybe figure out what exactly is going on with section 31 and, and how they're able to operate, you know, autonomously. So, so my answer to you, to, to your question is going to be answering it by not answering it because what I was thinking about when he asked that question was the last, I think the last time we reviewed a section 31 story, and I may be wrong here, but, but my memory was going that we had not seen section 31 per se, as it was in discovery season two. And I think that added a layer of knowing more about section 31. So when I'm seeing Cisco talk to Bashir. I'm actually seeing, okay, well, here's all the things that happen in, you know, discovery season two. And I just kind of looked at it as doesn't the round and around and around ever stop because ultimately whatever that the double agent is going to do, you're not going to stop section 31 by one person. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree with that. And you're right. We do have a different view on things, uh, simply because at this point in DS9's run in 1999, I, I guess there was, this was, they created, uh, section 31. So of course, a lot of it has not been established, established at this point. Maybe there were some books. I'm not sure at this point, but you know, we, we definitely are privy to a lot more information about what they actually become. Or depending on how you sequentially look at it, they are. Um, and it kind of shades what we think of them a little bit. Uh, and, and we know how sinister they, they actually really are. Uh, any other thoughts on this Cisco, uh, Bashir scene before we move on, guys? Um, other than, you know, can you pitch, if it had been any other captain, this would have been handled totally different. Which I think kind of makes Cisco stand out because he's always been that on edge captain that would do things that normally wouldn't be done. I mean, it was kind of what I would expect it from him. But if you were someone going into this episode not seeing DS9 at all, like that would have been a total shock for you to see that happen. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I tend to agree. And it was the ball, Cisco. So, you know, he was more aggressive. (laughs) (laughs) Good hunting. (laughs) uh so we have this whole trip to the conference uh we get to meet admiral ross um we get to meet this the romulan senator again kratek and of course bishir was there but whoa and behold did anybody really expect sloan to just pop up 
at the conference. Well, I guess we're on the way to the conference at this point. But 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 Jeremy, what did you think? Did you expect to see Salon there? I I didn't look for it, but I wasn't surprised because he just seems like somebody who's going to tell you what to do and he's going to stand over your shoulder and watch you do it. Yeah, I I can agree with that. I uh, I don't know if you're such a secret organization. Why would you be showing your face in public? Uh, I guess well, nobody knows about you. Showing his face in public as Section Thirty One is some kind of like under bureaucrat. Yeah, like has, really, the only like very few people know him as Sloan. Yeah, right, like true. like Cisco was saying, or Alma Ross, whoever was saying, you know, he's develop this person that he was he was and it like this person has records of like 15 years of work experience in this particular field so like he is this person or something like that so he's a very non-public life i guess you could say just just someone of no interest right he's lived his life as somebody of of no interest Hmm. i kind of i would have expected him to be there yeah Mm. I'm going in. No, I'm just saying I'm going into the I wasn't expecting, but I wasn't surprised. Yeah. And honestly, it just aided immensely in the setup that we get by the end of it. Um, The payoff for the setup here by the end of it, I think it's just, man, a lot of that I wasn't expecting. But again, kind of what you said here, wasn't really surprised that there was some underhanded going on, which I'm sure we'll get into a little bit more. But I do like how in the next scene that we see where Bashir like has actually done his homework, you know, even though he doesn't want to be a spy, he like knows everything about Caval. And I think they talked about some other um, Romulan uh, delegate. Then uh, they talk about the Tuvan syndrome and what's going on with Caval. And and man, I loved how Bashir kind of stood up for a moment when he was talking about interfering in eternal affairs of a sovereign power and how it was forbidden by the Federation. I love how he kind of stood up right there and I'm going to get a little current here. That's kind of going on us right now a little bit, just a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, Oh boy. (laughs) Yeah. This this episode's tying in. It always happens when we review one of these old episodes, we see a thing or we point out a thing and it kind of ties in the current events. And yeah, I thought that was pretty uh, apt to have that kind of analogy there. Again, what makes Star Trek so great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I agree. I mean, to me, that's any uh, TV show that has longevity that people go back and watch. Case in point, Star Trek, like you just said, or, you know, Doctor Who, we've made similar comments going back and reviewing about the timeliness. But uh, what I was thinking uh, specifically uh, when they were talking about, you know, interfering, you know, you have an alliance and you're stepping ahead of the alliance, trying to counter alliance and even break down the alliance in order to keep your alliance. And I'm like, come on, people, this is not a chess game here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it is, sir. But, but it, it is. is. And that's the sad part about it. <laughs> and, and when you're dealing with Romulans, it's always it has to be a chess game because that's all they do. Like, you don't have an option when you're dealing with the Romulan Romulan. What's you what's at face value is not true. Like you just do not accept that. Which is perfect for section thirty one because nothing that goes on with them is fa- is at face value. Yeah, I mean, and also like I have to kind of applaud them for thinking two steps ahead because they're thinking, okay, once the Dominion War is over, we have to deal with our now allies, the Remnants, and we know that we don't have friendly relations. And 
I think we make this mistake all the time as a superpower, the United States. We go in somewhere, we free the people, and we don't think about what's coming next. And before we know it, someone else has filled the spot, and they are probably worse. ISIS. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I do like that they're thinking two steps ahead here. And, you know, Section 31, that's kind of what they're they're made to do, you know? Think of the things we're not. Yeah, but, I mean... I agree with you. That makes sense. And I agree with you. But on the flip side, don't I don't don't necessarily have a problem with gathering intelligence because that's what everybody does. I do have a problem when you maneuver things and move those chess pieces at the expense of perhaps an ally or yeah. at the at the expense of being underhanded. That I have a problem with. Yeah. Yeah. And I get that. So now I guess since we kind of introduced the story and set everything up, let, let's just kind of talk about the overall plot and what we think they're trying to do. So, so before we do that, what do we know what the conference was like supposed to be about? Like, what was the purpose of the conference? The purpose of the conference, be, it was because... um the Federation wanted to give 15 ships to the Rumblings to aid in the war. And I think this conference was just a preliminary part of that exchange of knowledge thing. Um, but I think they're trying to give them 15 ships, 15 Federation ships, medical ships for the war. So that's why Bashir was going. So that kind of brings me to my next point. So Bashir's whole point in going was to give a presentation on this disease. Like, Genetically enhanced, like I, I, that, that would have kind of made me think, "Hey, I'm being played here." Like, why, why am I going to this conference to give a lecture on this disease? Well, he went because he's also the expert in that um, Kelso White. Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, okay, I guess so. And they, they just... and uh, like Cisco said, you know, Starfleet and Cisco agreed to send their their best expert on it, and that's Bashir. So he still go, he was still going whether he liked it or not. Gotcha. Mm. The only thing I would say is, considering his track record, if it said conference, <laughs> I'd stay home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Isn't it weird though? Like every time something happens, well, not every time, but a large majority of bad things that happen to Starfleet personnel happens on on the way or during a conference. <laughs> Good point. Like that's almost bad as being red shirt. Like I wouldn't want to be a red shirt or go to a conference. Oh, well, imagine boy. being a red shirt at a conference. Oh, okay. oh that's wow. just distant wow. death right there. A uh, quick note: the ship they were going to the conference on uh, was an intrepid intrepid class. It looked just like Voyager. It was the Billaruffin. Billaruffin. I'm not saying that right. Yeah. Probably. Yeah, but it it looked kind of awesome. I wonder if they used some of the same sets from this uh, from Voyager at the time, which they probably did. According to Wikipedia, I'm looking at that right now. Of course, they did. Awesome. They were the set. They were the sets that was Voyager, technically, that they yeah. were on. But you know, different coat of paint. <laughs> That's oh, pretty and, sweet. And, and one thing I would like to mention, since we were talking about the chess and the politics, and I forgot to mention this a minute ago, it's the the actual name of this episode translates to roughly in times of war, the law falls silent. Yes, which. Uh, Ross points out when well, no, Bashir points Bashir. out to Ross when they're having that last conversation there. Ah, uh, yes, I've got. Yeah, you're right. He does. Yeah, which is was pretty freaking awesome. Um, 
So, like, so I'm sorry. Just this is just one thing that kind of sticking out to me right now. Has anyone noticed the frequency in which these characters of the 23rd century quote like 14th, 15th, and 16th century philosophers and yeah, you I know, mean, like how how far back in Earth history they not Romulan history or Vulcan history of all these philosophers, but Earth history they go back to prove their points. I just I just think that's kind of hilarious. Yeah, that's cool. I think like even now today, people, they'll say something like that to sound super smart or super intelligent to make you go dig it up. I mean, Discovery does that a lot of their titles too. They quote um, different pieces Mm -hmm. of work from way back. So I don't know. I think it's pretty cool. So does anybody want to explain the plot? Because I'm going to try to, but I'll probably do a horrible job because it's going (laughs) in a lot of directions. (laughs) Well, I mean, that's kind of is the plot. <laughs> so uh, go ahead. Go for it. Well, I, like you said, it's hard because, I mean, you took you have to explain the plot and then you have to explain why the plot wasn't the plot. And then you have to explain <laughs> why that deception was going to call what the actual plot was that needed that plot to deceive it. I, so let Does me, that make sense? Yeah, let me let me tell Let me tell him. Uh, no, no, all, right, all right. Before you do it, I, I, I want to try to. All right. All right, go, go for it. All right, cool, cool. So, so in this episode, we have a Starfleet officer who, by the nature of his morals, is placed in a predicament by Section Thirty-One Operative Sloan, so that he could be the catalyst to enact a um, and oh, blah, 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 enact a uh, a word that. Um, Dang it! I was going so good. My, but, <laughs> new guy, like, you, ever, you guys were down. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, I got a good start, but that was a freaking confusing thing. So, Clarence, so, so go let, for it. Let me piggyback off what you what you just said. Like, we have this this, this the, the catalyst, which is Bashir, to go in here and infiltrate this very light ally or interim ally in the Romulans and try to get more information. Um, Directed by Section 31 and Director Sloan. But of course, uh, the plot thickens and then it kind of escalates when we find out that Sloan wants Caval, the, la- the the commander of the Tall Shiar, dead. Uh, at least we think he wants him dead. And um, he, 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 he has this plot to kill this guy. And Bashir, with all his morals, is not going to stand for it. And of course, Admiral Ross, who he's uh, keyed in on the whole thing, is like, in sick bay or something at a crucial point and he can't even find them. And, um, he's, he's made to confide in, um, Kratek, uh, Senator Kratek to try to prevent this assassination attempt from happening. And that's kind of where things go pretty crazy. Where, Which then, go ahead. <laughs> we find out it's not really an assassination attempt, but an attempt to remove Someone who's not in power, who could potentially be in power, who could potentially cause worse things to happen in with this alliance. So I think the overall art was just to keep someone the what's her name? Kretek? Yeah. Kretek. 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 Yeah. So uh, the overall general plot was just to keep her from becoming from gaining any power. Yeah. But potentially she didn't do anything wrong and she was yeah. the actual ally, which made this even more disturbing at the end. A true patriot, as Admiral Ross would say. I don't know. Which made her dangerous. Yeah, and 
that's a hard thing to kind of, as Bashir states, that's a hard thing to kind of grasp. She hasn't done anything. She, so far, she is seemingly a good ally in this war against the Dominion. But our fear of what we think she might do has has led us to, you know, hatch this plot, which we have an admiral involved. We have a doctor involved to try to uh, unseed her from power. And I think the worst part of it, and, and Bashir says it by the end, is you play me like a freaking fiddle, dude. You play me like a fiddle, and that has to feel horrible. That has to feel so bad, man. I felt for Bashir by the end of this. Me too. Yeah. But I go back to saying he's the only person on DS9 cast that this would have worked for. They couldn't have played anybody. Could you imagine for a moment, Cisco, if he would have been in that situation? <laughs> he wouldn't have been. No, not at all. Not at all. Yeah, it, I mean, overall, just I think it's a well-constructed episode. You know, I was I have to admit by halfway through the episode, I felt like they were there was a double plot. You know, I feel like Bashir wasn't keyed exactly into what was going on. And I kind of knew he was being played a little bit because uh, some of the stuff felt a little obvious. But I think bringing in Sloan as a um as a prisoner for Caval there in the Rumbling Council, I thought that was a good bit of uh, reptifuge there because I didn't, you know, I thought he was dead after that, even though I knew he didn't. But he got shot right in front of everybody. Um, but like like Bashir said, like from what you know of Song, like there's no way that that was his singular motive. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? That that was no way. Like I I didn't believe it for a second. Yeah. Now, what I did not expect was Koval is actually working with Section 31. Yes. Yes. That's the head of the Tal Shiar. And not only that, in his statement where he apparently read Sloan's memories, he said the Section 31 doesn't even exist. So he they made the case that it was Starfleet intelligence that was causing the issue in the first place. So was he in kind of helping? By getting Section Thirty One out of the conversation, yeah, mm. yes. Yeah, like well, see, I, I, I didn't think well, that he even read his mind. I thought that was just him making up the narrative that he wanted to tell. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that, but I think it was whatever he. But yet, and still, what he said, I felt was still a good move for the chess pieces that Sloan wanted. You know? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so just good stuff all around, man. Uh, does anybody have any more points that they want to point out? And I'll just say again, the translation for Inter Arma Enum, Silent Legacy is in time of war, the law falls silent, which Admirals, um, he was in on the, on, on the bad stuff. <laughs> and, and for everybody's listening, uh, and you have not watched this series, uh, or this season is actually, you don't, don't, Get too upset with Admiral Ross because this in, really in this season, this is kind of the feeling. You know what I mean? We we've had Cisco like through Garrick of all people. I mean, go figure. They try to set up on um, what? There was another Romulan, wasn't it? I think so. Yeah, with the data with the false data rod yeah, trying to get was, him assassinated. Yeah. That they were trying to get in there. I mean, and it's just because he was that's how Cisco drew the Romulans into the war. So they were they were actually allies by deception. 
And that deception was caused ultimately by a murder of a high-ranking Romulan. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it's just because they're so they're losing this war, and they're just so tired of being on the defensive, and you know, losing. They're just they're they're at their wits' end. Like they're trying anything. And Admiral says so in the end. Is like this is I don't want to do this, but this is what I had to do. I had to turn to Section Thirty One to help. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, Cisco's done it. Uh, O'Brien has done it. I, well, kind of. You know, he went to New Sydney and uh, kind of got in bed with the, I guess, the mafia-like yeah. people to get some information on. And that was for Starfleet Intelligence. But I mean, it, it's all throughout this season. There's been like moral decisions, like moral gray areas that we've done. It's a really good example of how you have to win the war when you're not on the battle lines. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, you're, this is how you win a war behind the scenes with information, disinformation, right. um, and backroom politics. And this is a great example of that. So what are you saying, Jeremy? It's not all pew, pew, pew. It's not all. No, it's, it's, <laughs> it's not. <laughs> it's all, you know, look, I have this information on you and yeah. I'm going to use it. But and I mean, there's nothing you can do about it. I mean, essentially, the actual physical fighting is probably the least percentage of who wins. Right. That's the, where the least casualties take place, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Man, this is an awesome season, man. I love this season. It's all right. <laughs> You're fired. <laughs> eh, wouldn't be the first time you fired me. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, well guys, <laughs> we are going to wrap things up. Um, I think we kind of just gave overall thoughts right there. So unless anybody has any other thoughts they want to add, we'll go on and kind of just go around the horn and see what everybody is working on podcast related or otherwise. And we'll start with Jeremy Barrow, man. What do you got, dude? Um, I've just been working way too much because my boss decided to take a vacation and somebody had to cover. So it's just, that's just all I've been doing. Work, work, work. That's all I got time for. All right. Jonathan. What you been up to? <laughs> Are you the boss that's been on vacation? <laughs> well, I, have, I am a boss, and I have been on vacation, but I would not admit or deny to anything. <laughs> uh, other than that, yeah, I took a. Uh, we had a family cruise go uh, out to Mexico, Cozumel, and Progreso, which was pretty good. Um, we got to. I actually spent a good amount of time in Progreso speaking to a local tour guide there who was very, very knowledgeable of the local government and their interactions with the American government. So we got to learn a lot about, you know, we we got a lot going on nowadays in in our political climate about immigration and Mexico and all that. So it was good to hear it from another point of view, which we could go have a whole other cast about. Uh, But man, it just kind of goes to tell you when you, you, we only hear one side of the story. Right. All the time. And we base decisions and opinions off of that one side of the story. And when you hear another side, it like changes your life. You know what I mean? And one particular person went with us on the cruise and they are very strongly supportive of Trump and his agenda. Uh, But as with most strong Trump supporters, they start forming these opinions that they're not necessarily getting from Trump. But, you know, just a basic overall hatred for Mexicans, for Hispanics. You know what I mean? And it's just unfounded. Well, 
this particular person, you know, after spending some time at Cozumel and interacting with these people, like their statement was, man, I have a new respect for Hispanic people now. Yeah. So, uh, but other than that, other than Cruz, I've been watching Game of Thrones, so I started that. You mean that show that ended like two weeks ago? You know? Yeah, well, I got so sick of hearing everybody talk about it, and I'd never seen it, so I started watching it. So, pretty good, man. Pretty good. Pretty good. Sweet. And Cal Jones, man, what have you been working on? Uh, let's see. We've been working on our other podcast on the Discussing Network, so I would point anyone listening to Discussing Network Dot com, And I would also invite anyone who would like to to join our Facebook group for the Discussing Network at Facebook. You can just search for groups and look up Discussing Network. Awesome. My parting gift will be to check out our sister podcast, which is called Discussing Comics, where we have episodes such as Game of Thrones Review. Review of Dark Phoenix and more. So check that out by going to discussingcomics.com or just searching for Discussing Comics and the various podcatchers out there. And also, if you're listening to this episode for the first time, please be sure to subscribe as well on the podcatcher of your choice. We are glad you're on board. Please send in the feedback to fans at discussingtrek.com or hit us on any of the social medias at discussing trek thank you guys for joining and until next time live long and prosper thanks for listening to the discussing trek podcast for more information, go to discussingtrek.com slash subscribe.